Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Our next guest was with us about just over a year ago, I think. His name is Mark. He's an Ontario businessman. And through Mark, we got to know his dad a little bit. His dad was in a long-term care residence, um, and he'd had a fall. And the, this was during the height of COVID. And Mark, thank you for coming back. Before we talk to you about what's going on with your dad now, can you just, for the benefit of the people who maybe didn't hear that first segment, just remind us of what happened. How were we introduced to your dad and to you? Well, Roy, um, you're right. It was a little over a year ago and um, at a, a local Southwest Ontario hospital, my dad was uh, moved to uh, the hospital from his uh, retirement home because he had had a fall. And uh, it, it was kind of funny because they called me right in the middle, April 2020. It's the very height of it. And they had called me to come and pick him up. And um, I, I let the hospital know uh, that I work for a living and I, we had not shut down our operation. We were deemed essential. And I went to work every day and I was surrounded by people. And I thought it was a bad idea for me to come and pick him up, uh, considering that he was sent there by ambulance it said and it, by the way it's dead across the street it couldn't be any closer uh his home from the hospital but they insisted i go and get him and uh i did i picked him up and i dropped him off <laughs> 10 30 at night on a april night and it was uh he was presented to me with his gown clothes in a plastic bag april 7th i believe it was and it was cold outside very cold and the old man at the time uh this is uh, you know he's 90 eight today so he would have been uh 96 and it just seemed like it was uh get him out of here and and take him back which we did which we ended up having to do and uh so uh now we're in chapter two yeah, the reason that i asked you about uh, about the first time we met you and and your dad through you is because it also dealt with the system with the with the overall system in this case it was the healthcare system and i remember you telling us that they gave him back to give your dad back to you presented your dad with caked blood on his face that was they hadn't they hadn't cleaned that off and uh, he was in this what little paper uniform with his clothes on his lap right you're right in a wheelchair and i actually asked the nurses uh, the charge nurse at the time i said is this would this be acceptable if this was your father and you were you were showing up here to pick him up on a day like today, and it's a good 120 feet from the door to my car in a freezing cold day in a wheelchair, and I had this this poor old guy was traumatized, and uh, they they uh, you know what they did they went and got me a warm blanket if you remember, and they threw a warm blanket on him and said out you go. I will never forget that conversation. I'll never forget you saying that they gave him back, give your dad back to you. I don't know if that's the correct terminology, but it kind of feels like that's what they did. And uh, and said, you know, here he is, blood on his face, give you his uh, paper jammies with his clothes on his lap now. Off you go. And, uh, right. So here we are. We're a year plus later. And your dad is 98. Is it his birthday today? His birthday was actually on the 16th of June, 98. 98. That's amazing. Born in 1924. Um, so, a whole bunch has happened. Yeah, a whole bunch has happened. That's right. <laughs> so, so 98 years of age, you're probably going to need some assistance, some help. And, and, uh, the help is supposed to be there because 
your dad um, paid taxes throughout his life and still pays taxes. You and I talked about that. So would you bring us up to date, please, on what the situation is now? Because your dad does need long-term care facility help, and the government's always there to help, right? No one. Well, uh, so shortly after that hospital stint, 2020, just um, uh, so it's it's really two years ago, uh, Roy, you and I may have talked, but it was April of 2020 when he went down. This is now 2022. So time flies. Shortly after that, I put in a request to uh, what we call the LIN at the time, which is the government um, Ontario facility, to uh, you, you uh, fill out an application to find a long-term care uh, spot for your loved one, your father, mother, aunt, whatever, even yourself. And at the time I did that, uh, two years ago, they said, well, uh, you know, and I have him in a private facility, so it's a, it's a different price point, as you probably know. The, the provincial side is much uh, more affordable, and, and at some point it gets, it gets really silly in these private places. If you, the more care you need, the more you pay. So it just it's a menu system, and it gets a bit crazy. So I applied to, over two years ago, 27 months ago, I applied to get him into a long-term care facility somewhere in Southwest, like um, you know the uh, 401 corridor between, uh, say, Milton and Toronto. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, no spaces. It's COVID. We don't have any spaces. Um, he's not in enough. He's not sick enough or not. He can still feed himself. I would hear things like that from, from uh, the agency. What? He can still seat himself? Feed himself. Feed himself. Oh. Feed himself. He can still go to the, take a shower uh, by himself. He can still feed himself. So he's not quite crisis enough. The word crisis comes into play. They put him in a cr- on a crisis list. So that so one. So this on. is the government agencies that's doing this, yes? Yes. 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 Okay. Okay. So he um, he did get man. I did manage to get him on a crisis list. Probably um, I want to say eighteen months ago. Now they finally agreed that uh, they do an assessment after assessment after assessment. So if you're on the phone with them and you you present your case and you say, look, I really need some help here. I can't afford to keep him in there. His pension doesn't cover the cost of being in a private home, as he needs more care the more care he needs the more expensive it gets you can get the lin to help you they do send people in to help them some psws and they try and mitigate your costs a little bit by by providing some services but it doesn't come close to covering so as you know we had a quick conversation last week it, it is getting it's out of hand so i i can no support i can only support this the difference in cost from his pension and and his CPP, and of course his old age pension, uh, it doesn't come close to covering. So I've been emailing on the phone almost daily uh, to these people to try and get them moved. So it's been a challenge. And they say, just going back to our conversation of a few days ago, that he has to be a, quote, perfect match? Correct. For a facility? What does that mean? I'm not sure, but what I, from what I can determine, uh, Roy, it goes like this. They uh, did another assessment on my father. I'm sure this is a routine on all people that apply for uh, for long-term care spot in a provincially run facility. And they do an assessment. And then they present the case to the homes. And if the home doesn't want to take on this particular patient or uh, uh, citizen, not a patient by now it's a citizen 
uh, they don't they don't have to take them. They can refuse them. So I was told um, very very just very recently because uh, he, he's in critical now. He's in palliative care. So now it becomes even more of a burden on the province, of course, to take him into a provincially run home. It takes a lot of resources to deal with a palliative care person, and I don't think they want any part of it. So they said to me, it has to be a perfect match, and they make you fill out a form. What homes in your area would you accept as a location? So you fill out the form, you tick off the top six that you would prefer him to go to, which for me was geographically driven. Hopefully our, you know, my... He's got grandchildren that are nearby. He's got a, a, a my brother's uh, wife is still here. My brother's no longer with us, but she's local. So we're trying to keep him within a 25, 30 minute drive. But none of those places would take him because they weren't or he is not a perfect match to their facility. Gee, perfect. That's quite a word, eh? Perfect. <laughs> That's quite yeah. the word. It has to be a perfect match. And if it's not a perfect match, we're not accepting them. Now, that's government-run facility. In other words, it's taxpayer-funded. And all of this was supposed to be getting much better. But apparently, it isn't. So, uh, Mark, your dad's 98 years of age. He's in a private facility now. And you would like to transfer him, if you can, to a government-run facility because it's it's terribly expensive to uh, to to have your dad in this private facility. Give us a bit of a sense of, of what they do. I mean, I was shocked when you said to me, there's extra cost to feed him. <laughs> there is. Um, so, in a, well, I've only been in one uh, private facility group. So there, there's many of them in, in Ontario and Canada, I'm sure. Um, but the all of them, I, I, and I can't imagine they're, they're like any other business. They have to be competitive. So I'm assuming, I'm making an assumption, that most of these private uh, facilities are run the same way. So you are provided with um, a care a plan. They call it a care plan. So they do an assessment and they say, uh, you know, based on his needs, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give them his, his pills in the morning and in the afternoon. We're going to bathe them every other day. Whatever the whatever the whole packaging uh, encompassing what your needs are, and then they give you a price. So when my father first went in, uh, 10 years ago, he was 88, and uh, he couldn't handle uh, dealing with himself day to day, so we made a decision, and he was happy with that. The cost at that time, Roy, was uh, just over $5,000 for a pretty nice place to keep him there. Okay. Three squares a day, not too much in the way of other services. He could still manage himself pretty well. Mm-hmm. 10 years later, now needs palliative care. And I've been trying to move them into, as you mentioned, a, a government-run facility because the average cost of there for palliative care is around 4000 3820 even the high twos if you're really uh, desperate financially and the government does that, take that into account. So depending on your financial position, they'll establish what you got to pay. And if you're a perfect match. You're going to need to be a perfect match. Yeah. And uh, right now, uh, for my father, it's $9,800. That's what it is. Per month? Yes. What do you get for ninety seven, ninety eight hundred a month? Ninety eight hundred. Well, you get you get pretty good service, and the Lynn's in there helping, and they do keep them nice and clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but last week, uh, just the day before I talked to you, this is what enraged me, and I, I ended up reaching back out to you because of, of that particular uh, day. I went in to see him. Um, there was a young lady feeding him. 
And she kind of startled when I walked through the door, and she said, the nurses told me not to feed him. I said, okay, what? the nurses told you not to feed him. So there might be a medical reason. As you get older and you're in palliative care, you do aspirate, and, and you know, eating solids doesn't work, and sometimes even eating is, is a chore. Yeah. So she, she was just a, a very young girl, and she was a bit startled, and she apologized and left the room. I went to the nurse, and I said, what's going on? And she said, well, you know, he's, we're giving him some new medication because he's, he, he's and this is true. I'm not holding this against the, the facility whatsoever. I mean, he does have, he's old, he's, he's going to pass away soon. And there is, there is some secretion going on in the back of his throat, so he doesn't eat very well. So I, I understand. But what shocked me was the call I got later on that day. Because I called back in after I left. I tried to see the, the, the person in charge of all of this, uh, who I talked to quite often. She wasn't available, so I left, and she did call me back, and I said, you know, I'm a little disturbed, even just applesauce. She said, well, Mark, you know, in your care plan, you're not paying for us to feed them. And we've been, um, we've been trying to help you by talking to the Lynn, and they've sent in, they send in someone to feed them uh, once or twice a day so that you don't have to pay for that. So they contacted the government agency. And the government agency sends somebody in to feed him once or twice a day. I wouldn't imagine your dad eats too much. He does. In all fairness, Roy, he's on his last legs. But the point isn't that to me. I'm just trying to make the point that it's not that big, not not that arduous a task for them to feed your dad. Certainly not. So is your dad aware of, of what's going on? Uh, unfortunately, he is, he is still has most of his marbles. I mean, anyone in that situation on, on their way out and, we, and uh, you know, your loved ones, and we've all seen it uh, in one way or another, whether it's a, a sickness. In my dad's case, it's not sickness, it's age. Right. And he's just running out of time. Um, but you can, when I go and see him now, of course, he's not. They've got him. They, they give him whatever they need. They call it pain management. Of course, that's what it is. And at the, because now he's bed sores and he hasn't been moving for the last month or two. And it, it's been rather, um, it, it, it was going to happen at some point. But that, that, the, the, the challenge to me is when someone tells me that I'm not paying to feed him, if it's two minutes, maybe five at the very most, to put a couple spoons of applesauce, when I look at his eyes, I know that he knows what's going on to a degree. Enough that I know. I mean, I'm just, other people might not. But my sister-in-law was in there the other day, Roy, and she felt the same way. And you're paying $9,700 a month. Yeah, plus. 98 and change this month. and change. And they, yeah. they won't feed them. <laughs> I mean, it's just... And the, and the public system wants a perfect match. Yeah. It's, it's, it's disturbing. It's deeply, deeply disturbing, Mark. And I know that I'm going to be seeing a lot of emails over the next number of days from people in different parts of the country who are probably going through something similar. In the few seconds we have left, what, what, you have no option, do you? No, uh, I have none. I will ride this one out. I'm, I'm, I, it's not that I can't afford it, Roy. It, it's never, it was never about that so much. I, we're fortunate in our family that I'm able to pick up the difference from what my dad's net income is to what it's costing. But it's for, really, at the end of the day, it's just happening to me. I know it's happening to other people, and they probably don't have the option of covering the cost. 
if you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 